<clears throat> and turn in those Bibles to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be in chapter 4. We talked about, I'm saved, I'm power, I'm chosen, and today we want to talk about, we're the body. Ephesians 4 is a powerful teaching about unity in the spirit, unity in the church. I want to give you a list of several items, and I want to see if any of you, uh, how many of these you identify with uh, as uh, maybe having happened to you. How many of you got up this morning? You just raise your hand. <clears throat> how about brushed your teeth? That's good news. How many of you have ever been kissed? Not today, but just ever been kissed. Okay. I didn't want to qualify it to today because that might have been. Ever been hurt by someone and something they said? All right. Ever cried in a movie? How about those men? Where are they at? Huh? <laughs> ever had a cold? Ever lost a loved one? Ever ridden a roller coaster? Wee! <laughs> Ever been stopped by the police? Ever mowed a yard? Ever had a prayer not answered? All things in common. We've all got things in common, don't we? Most of us have experienced these things. It's really important to understand that as a body, as a church, that we experience things together. The church is the family of God. And as a family, we experience things. It's kind of like a relay race. A relay race is a team event. Now, in a relay race, you've got, in a 4 by 100 you've got four people running 100 yards at a time. And they have in their hand a baton. And they pass that baton to the person in front of them. So you've got the, anchor, the first leg, second leg, third leg, and then the anchor. They call him the anchor leg. That's usually your fastest person. But if they don't work as a team, they don't make it, do they? I want you to see a video clip of what I'm talking about. Got no volume. Let's stop it again until you get the volume going, John. Or not. We'll get the we'll get the idea. Jeff Parman got a one man show going back. Even though he didn't make even though he didn't make the team in either of the sprints. Lewis is assigned his customary anchor leg position in the 4x100 relay. When he takes the baton, the race is over.
The United States sets a world record. So Carl Lewis, in three Olympic Games and in the nine Olympic events, has accomplished what no one thought. Had they dropped that baton, what would have happened? Race is over. Boy, did you see how far in front he was when he took off? Because they made that team approach. Boom, boom, boom. They were in unity, weren't they? That day set a world record. <clears throat> I'm not sure that Carl Lewis was the fastest of the four. In fact, I think the third guy was the fastest of, the, of all four of them. And I'm not sure he was. I think maybe number two. Maybe even the first guy. Because you see, they all build on each other, don't they? Now, I'm not a track person, as you can tell. <clears throat> That's not, not my strength in life. But I sure like to watch them. I like to watch them run and do that. That is amazing. But that's what team is. That's what unity is. Now, what if one of those four guys that set that world record had decided, hey, I just don't like the way you're running. So I'm not going to take the baton from you. Or maybe he would say, hey, I really should be the anchor. I should be that last guy. I don't know why they picked you. Why can't I have that spot? I mean, you know, and then you bring that same thought process over into the church. Well, if I can't sing every week, then I just won't go. Well, if, I, if, if, if they don't talk to me at the door, then obviously they don't care about me. And you miss three or four weeks in a row, and nobody calls you, nobody sends you a card, nobody even acknowledges that you've been gone. What do you usually do? What's the tendency for Satan to tempt us with? Well, they don't care down there. They, they, they just don't care. Did we even know you was gone? Well, you should have noticed. I know. But see, we tend to do that. The things that we tend to get disunified about in the church don't really have anything to do with Scripture, does it? Nine times out of ten, it doesn't. It's, the, it, it, it's too cold in the room or it's too hot. Chairs over pews, pews over chairs, padded over non-padded. See, if you go non-padded pews, you get more preaching done. Amen? Because they can't sit still. They got And one guy, when we put the chairs in, he said, man, I like these chairs. I said, why is that? He said, I can sleep better. <laughs> I thought, well, be honest. Praise the Lord. Well, there's just something about that team and that unity. In Acts chapter 9, it talks about that. Let's take a look up here. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you received God's mercy. We are the body of Christ. It's not this structure. It's us. We're the body. Let's look at Ephesians 4. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation, but you follow along with me. I want to look at all these verses together. We're going to focus on a few, but this is such a powerful chapter. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Now, that doesn't mean a preacher who received a call to be a preacher. It means each of us who have called, been called by God to stand and to live a life worthy of that calling that God's called us to. That's what he's talking about here. Verse 2, always be humble and gentle. And I struggle with that, do you? 
I struggle with that. Be patient with each other. I struggle with that. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And I really struggle with that one. Because there's a thread of the flesh that still runs through me. Does it run through you? And I have a tendency to not do what Paul's encouraging me to do here. Verse 3, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. We're going to focus on that one. Binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. There's not multiple ones. There's only one. That's it. That's all you got. Just one. That's exclusive. Your God and my God is the only God. However, verse 7, He has given each one of us a, a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the Scripture says, when He ascended to the heights, He led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to His people. Notice, verse 9, that it says He ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended into our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might uh, fill the entire universe with himself. Verse 11, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. I wonder why he didn't talk about the spiritual gifts. Because we tend to focus on gifts and when we get a gift, we tend to get real proud about it. If God uses a gift through us or demonstrates a gift through us, sometimes we step back and go, well, <clears throat> after all, I have the gift. Right? I see it a lot, don't you? People that think there's something when they're really not. Because the bottom line is, if you get a gift from God, it ought to drive you to your knees in humbleness. It ought to drive you to your knees and find out why, you're, why He felt you were worthy to have that gift for that moment at that time. That's the way we should receive them. But He, he gives... Look at these prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Problem is, you put food in a trough and I can't make you eat it. <laughs> we had a great study this morning on the millennialisms. Oh, mercy. Five major views of, of the millennialism. And when we left there, nobody had any idea what I was talking about. I went on for 40 minutes. Forty minutes, and at the prayer, we said the amen and left and went, thank you, Jesus, that's over. <laughs> when somebody asks you, what millennial view do you hold? Here's what you need to say. I'm pro. I'm for it. <laughs> He's coming again, and i got to get ready. you got to get ready to leave this world. Pack your bags and get ready to go. Today. Come back. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, today. Leave as a, live as though you're leaving here today. That's what we got to do. Then he says, well, the purpose is to, 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 until they attain the unity of our faith and knowledge of God's Son that will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. 14, there will be no longer immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown away by every wind of doctrine, every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Boy, that's, that's not going on today, is it? 15, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of, the, of His church, His body, the church. He makes His whole body fit together perfectly. And as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. With the Lord's authority, I say this, 
Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. 18, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life of God that He gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop lying. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down uh, while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work, and then give generously to others in need. 29, don't use, uh, here we go, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be encouragement, uh, an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Or don't grieve the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as, the, as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Whew! There's a lot in there. We could preach for a, half a, a month on this thing. Paul measures the church. In three ways. By their faith, by their hope, and by their love. That's the overview of chapter 4. He stresses three areas for everyone to participate in. Love, giving, and unity. Verse 3. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. That is more important than anything that we do is that we stay together. When you have division in your house, it's not a fun time. If you and your wife are not getting along, it, it's no good. Can I get an amen? It's ugly. When you and your children aren't getting along, it's ugly. We gave Kelsey a cookie the other night, probably later than she should have had it. And the sugar rush she had was unbelievable. And the best part about it is we got to put her in her car and send her home with her mom and dad. She didn't want to get in that car seat. She didn't want to get in that car. She wanted to just spin in a circle in the living room. And he... Jeff said, I need to put your sandals on. And she said, no, I am spinning. I bet she spin in a circle for five minutes. And it was fun to try, watch her try to get up once she fell down. But she got unified in the spirit when he decided, when he picked up her up and picked up her shoes and put those unified shoes on her unified feet. And then things started working a little better. In this verse, the Greek word for make every effort is a strong word. And it carries with it the idea of being completely humble, gentle, patient. Patient not only internally, but externally. Controlling that through love. And it's hard to do. It gets difficult to do. 
Because again, I mentioned the flesh runs through us all. And there are tendencies when we, when we get fatigued or we are upset or we are whatever, we have a tendency to not keep some things under control. And that's what happens. <clears throat> and when it happens, you have to prayerfully consider how to work that back in. You have to make amends where you need to make amends, ask for forgiveness where it needs to happen. And then out of love, as he says here, we need to be gracious to each other. That's right. But he's talking about unity and unity in the spirit, he says, because unity is such a vital element within the church. The Greek word that's used here for spirit is the word pneuma with a P, N-E-U-M-A, pneuma, means wind or breath, the breath of God. I prayed earlier for a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to blow across us. That is a powerful thought. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to have that freedom. Is the Holy Spirit a wind? Is He allowed to blow freely through us and in us? So often we block Him. So often we block Him. We don't want Him blowing through us. My brother Red said, if I, if I prompt you to praise, why, here you go. But why didn't that happen spontaneously? Why didn't that happen spontaneously? And for some people, they don't need to outwardly praise. I understand that. you got it going on inside of you. I understand that too. That's, you're not comfortable going outside and raising your hand. i got you to understand. But boy, it doesn't hurt every now and then. Amen. It doesn't hurt every now and then to let a rip tater chip, as they say. Only in the unity of the body do we flow together in the wind of the Spirit. We can't put up those wind breaks. We've got to stay in unity. We're the body of Christ. It's like the fact that the blood must flow easily through every vein and every heart. Otherwise, there will be a heart attack or a stroke. The body can be paralyzed or worse, dead. And if we're not united, moving together toward Christ, we are in danger of paralysis, perhaps even death. He goes on to say the church must have one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. We must be one, one, one. When we speak, we speak as one. That's how children work parents against each other. Is they get mom to talk about it, and then they get dad to talk about it, and then they go back and undermine the other one. When mom and dads get together, guess what happens? Kids dead meat right there on the, on the floor. That's it. Oh, they're all messing their pros. They know how to work both sides of the fence. And they wait till you're tired. They wait till you're hungry. They wait till you're upset. They, wait, they know. There's a chip in them when they're born. I'm going to annihilate my parents. You watch. I'll just wait by my time. And so they'll get dad over here and he'll say, I'll go, go ask your mama. And your mama says, I'll go ask your dad. And so, boy, you, they start working it, right? But when mom and dads are together, look out. It gets ugly. It gets ugly. Because children can't, can't, you know, three, three cords bound together <laughs> are unbreakable. And the mom and dad who are together Boy, listen, you can, you can help mold that child in the right way. That's why I admire single parents and who do such a marvelous job. But when we block the Spirit, Paul's saying here that don't block the Spirit. Let, let Him flow in you, through you, all over you. 
And when we do that, we're in unity, we're in harmony, and we don't have any blockages. Well, I just don't agree with you, preacher. That's fine. But we still love each other. Amen? I, I don't expect you to agree with me. I don't always agree with you. I know that blows you away. <laughs> I know it just, just, just floors you. But Paul says later in verse 30, not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve that spirit. And you do that by the way we carry on. Paul mentions 23 times unity in, in Ephesians. Unity. Unity. But what difference does Christ make? Well, we read it earlier. Let's, let me share it with you again in John 17. My prayer, Jesus is praying. This is the actual Lord's Prayer, by the way. The other one that we always quote is... We call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's actually the model prayer. He was teaching the disciples how to pray. This is Jesus' prayer. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Who's that? That's us. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I are one. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Wow, what a prayer. <laughs> he is praying, Jesus is praying that we exercise one hope. We, have a, we need to have an expectation of the return of Christ. If this world is what you're hanging on to, get rid of it. What's that old song we sang years ago? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Hey, precious hallelujah. Somewhere beyond blue. Yeah, you gotta have a, gotta have a quartet singing that or whatever. You gotta tap your toe. You gotta. I'm sure if I put Phyllis over there, look out. Keys will be on fire. But it's that one hope. Gotta look for that return. He says, one Lord. What kind of one Lord? Lordship. What does it mean to have lordship? Well, some most men demand lordship in their house. Of the woman that they marry. That's, boy, that's a man's domain. My house. You're the woman. You submit to me. Isn't that great? And boy, she just falls lockstep in line with that idea, doesn't she? Absolutely. Yeah, with a rolling pin in the right hand. Glory to God. And we'll see it here in, in chapter 5 as we get into it next uh, next message. In Ephesians, it'll be the second week of July. But I say something. She learns how to be submissive by watching you and how you serve her. Uh oh, uh oh, you done messed up now, preacher. You done unleashed a tiger in my house. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. You can deal with the other part of it yourself. One Lord, make him Lord, make him the Lord of your life. One faith. I mean, we're going to disagree on things of interpretation, practice, but one thing that we agree on is our faith. Let's agree that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then we'll work out the other stuff. Most of it doesn't really matter anyway, but we make it a bigger deal than it needs to be. One baptism. The New Testament teaches baptism. Starting in the book of Acts 4. The first formula for baptism was in 238. 
They're, they're asking the question that killed Jesus. They said, what are we going to do? And he says, repent and be baptized. There's a reason. Because it is your public display of what you are wanting to say to the world and saying to God is that I really believe this. I really, really, really believe this. And boy, I'm heading for the water. It is also important because it is the only way that we actually contract the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Every time we see a baptism, every time God sees a baptism, He sees His Son Jesus dying, being buried, but raising on the third day. And He rose to walk in a new life. So should we. Yeah. One God, over all, through all, in all. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We need each other. We need each other. At River Oaks, Christ is the head. At all of our leadership meetings, Christ is the head of that meeting. You might say, Now, preacher, you run the show around here. Please. Please. If I'm running the show, we're in deep trouble. If Don and Mick are running the show, we're in deeper trouble. And if all three of us are running the show, <laughs> it, it's ugly. But the three of us, the two elders and myself, we purposely put the leadership of our church to Jesus. And we do it for a reason. Because he said, I am the head of the church, not you. And you might say, well, then how come you make all the decisions? Well, I wish I did. Because if I made all the decisions, I'd make, them, I'd make them for myself. I'd make them for me, to benefit me. Amen? Well, you people, just you're peons. You just figure out what I'm going to do here. Oh, no, no. Because we're a team together. Remember? We're a team. Somebody said, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? I said, you know, I could do that. But I'd like to let you know that that need is out there, and then maybe one of you is going to pick up the baton and run the next leg. I mean, I could run. I can just run and do all of it. Pass the baton to myself. That'd be awesome. <laughs> That'd look real funny, wouldn't it? Four by 100 and the same guy's running. He turns around, grabs the baton, takes off again. Yeah. It's better when we're passing it to each other. Doing some great things for God. Amen? And we all have different views, but we have the same Lord. I remember a few years ago we were in Mexico doing our mission trip, and we went to a little, uh, church to have worship service with them on Sunday morning. I'm telling you what, I had no idea what was going on. They, they, the audacity of these people in Mexico to sing in Spanish, to preach in Spanish. I'm sitting here in American to speak English, and I didn't understand a word they said. I was upset. Nah. It was so exciting because you could tell the joy of the Lord in them. I didn't have any idea what they were saying. But it was exciting because you knew God was coming through their life. Right? And you could sense it. You could sense it. So different ways to, and different views, but the same Lord. Different gifts, but the same purpose. God has gifted all of us to do certain things in the church. We should get about the business of doing what He's gifted you to do. Don't hold it back. Don't hide it under a bushel. Come on. Don't put a basket over it. Come on. There's plenty to do. There's things that need done. And one or two or three people end up doing them all. So jump in there and help out. And you say, well, preacher, I never knew what needed to be done. 
Every time we ask something, don't hesitate to volunteer to take care of it. All right? Are you with me now? All right. You're going to see some of those lists coming up. Verse 12. Verse 12. The whole point of verse 12 is to prepare God's people for the works of service. We evangelists, we teachers, we preachers, we pastors, we're to teach you, equip you, but we can't equip what isn't there. <laughs> so when we offer a class, come take it. When we offer you something to learn, come learn it. But we're the body. Verse 17 says, With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. We must protect the unity of this body. Don't let Satan wheel his way in and weasel his way in and try to undo what, he, what God's done. Philippians 2, 1-5 really helps us understand that. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from this love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or, or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. He humbled himself. He came and took on himself the body of a man. And he suffered in every way that you and I suffer, yet he did it without sin. So you and I can rejoice. You and I now have a high priest who, can, who sympathizes with our weaknesses. And we can approach him, according to Hebrews 4, we can approach that throne with confidence. Confidence. Because he loves us that way. But he says, change the way you think. He says, don't think like the, the pagans. You, you don't, don't live that way. You, you, you're, you're different. So whatever life you're living, toe the line. Walk that walk. They were once darkened. They once lost sensitivity. They once were betrayed. They once were indulgent. They once full of, were full of lust and greed. Couldn't get enough. Couldn't get enough. They were corrupted. Galatians 5, Genesis chapters 5 and 6, they were full of deceitful desires. That's the way they were. But he says, you're not like that anymore. So don't live that way anymore. We need to live grace for grace. You didn't come to know Christ that way is how he says it. You know grace. You know truth in Christ. You've put off that old self. You have a whole new attitude. Numa, a whole new spirit. A new wind blowing through you. You're a new man. It ought to be evident. It ought to be showing up. It ought to be all over you. People ought to notice. But, but they, they don't tend to notice. Why? Because we keep it hidden up. We put the basket over it. <laughs> I'm not asking you to jump chairs. I'm not asking you to carry a 45-pound Bible and beat people with it. I'm not asking you to do that. What I am asking you to do is at least smile. <coughs> smile find something good today to praise God for I used to tell my boys all the time I'd let them out of school make a new friend today be an encourager not a discourager oh they got sick of hearing it and they come home I said did you meet a new friend today no dad we didn't make a new friend today <laughs> I said we well, should have I said there's probably some kid that's sitting over there by himself and you ought to be the one that goes up and says hey how you doing let me sit down with you that's what we ought to be doing right when you're at research shopping, half the church is down there, so just stop and visit with them. Why are they, why are they coming in now? 
I can sit on that bench up by the front door and I can catch half the church coming in and out and have great fellowship with them. I can't catch them at their home and I can catch them at research. Glory to God. You never know. <laughs> Protect your body. Put off falsehood. Speak the truth, he says. We're members of one body. Hebrews 12 talks about that bitter root that, that weaves in if we, if we hold grudges, if we're angry all the time. He says, don't sin. Don't sin. Don't give Satan a foothold. Don't let him put his foot on your neck. You stand up and put your foot on his neck. Through the blood of Jesus, through the power of the Lord living in you, through the Spirit of God blowing through you. <laughs> you put your foot on his neck. Don't steal. Labor. Use your hands. Work. It doesn't hurt you. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. I did something uncharacteristic the other night. We had kids over for dinner, and I cooked the dinner, and then I cleaned all of it up. I used to cook it and sit down and wait for somebody else to clean it up, but I got up and cleaned it up because I knew I could go in there and snack on some stuff while I was cleaning it up. I'm catching on. But you see, we've got something to share as a body, don't we? And we need each other. We're to be wholesome, goes on to say. Not rotten. Not decaying. We're to build each other up. Kind of construct each other. If you've got a word to say, say it good. Amen? Amen. Say a good word. We don't have to always tear people down. We don't always have to be negative. Let's be positive. For the glory of God. Kindness. And benefit others through that kindness. And I love this last passage. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't grieve Him. Somebody asked Carl Ketcherside what that meant. And when we grieve the Holy Spirit, does He leave us? He said, well, if that's the case, then He'd be flat dead wore out coming and going in most of us. He never leaves us. But we grieve Him. It's like a mom and a dad whose children don't behave. It grieves you. Now, you don't lop them off and kick them out of the house even though that thought crosses your mind. You don't try to kill them even though you've thought that also. But you are grieved for them because of choices they're making. And so you do the best you can to try to reverse that in their life. Don't, and, and the Holy Spirit, we shouldn't grieve Him because He is our seal. He's our guarantee. It says we were sealed in the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. Woo! <laughs> That's great stuff. Get rid of anger. Brawling, crying out, shouting, slander, malicious talk, blasphemy, malice, evil, wickedness, gossip. Get rid of it. Best way to get rid of gossip when somebody comes to tell you a story, say, have you talked to that person yet? Let me call them right quick and we'll talk about it. <laughs> Man, they'll flee. Why? Because evil runs from the light. Don't, don't participate. Don't participate. But the way we do it in church is we always approach you with, hey, there's a prayer need I need to make you aware of. And then we lace that prayer need with some gossip. You have to be very careful. Not all the time, but you have to be very careful. Satan's crafty. And then he finishes up by saying, be kind, be compassionate, be tenderhearted. He says, forgiving and giving grace... Just as Christ did what? Forgave us. So when you go to the when you're angry and you're really really having a hard time, go to the cross and look up at him. Look up at him. 
and say, I can't forgive this one. And let him, while he's hanging on the cross, look down and go, I know how you feel. And he does. He does know how you feel. But the difference is, he will say the words to you. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Who are you? You're the body. Who are we? We're the body. Would you answer the prayer of Jesus that we be in harmony and unity? Would you answer the prayer of Paul that we be in harmony and unity? Would you answer the prayer of this preacher that we as a church be in harmony and unity in the Spirit of God? Praising Him, speaking well of each other, being encouragers and not discouragers, because that's what God wants us to do. And I just want to challenge you as we finish this morning and Phyllis comes back to the piano. I just want to challenge you to consider picking up the baton. Receive the pass of the baton and then turn around and pass the baton on to others. So that we as a church, we as a body, can win the race. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this time this morning. I thank you that we can pause for a moment and consider that we are a body. And as a body, we need to be unified in our approach. As a body, we need to be in harmony with each other and with you. And Father, as you've taught us in this chapter today, we used to be in disharmony. We used to be ununified. We used to be users and takers. But through Jesus Christ, we have become givers. Through Jesus Christ, we have become lovers, grateful, gracious to others around us. So God, today, if there's somebody in this room that doesn't know you as their Savior, that number one, they would want to do that and would love to sit down and teach them today what that means. It's really not enough just to say we want to do it. We need to understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. And what you're asking of us once we do that. There's others in this room that I would just call them straying. Uh, they, they listen, they kind of go through the motions, but they're really not deepening their walk with you at all. They're just kind of complacent where they are and dissatisfied. God, there may be some in this room that are just carrying some tremendous burdens and I just need somebody to pray for them. If they'd let us know that, we'll, we'll pray for them. We will be your eyes and your mouths and your ears and your tears today. God, if there's a need in this room, would your spirit move among us in such a mighty way? Would he move among us and stir us in a way that, God, we can't contain it? Jesus, we love you. Praise you honor you. Holy Spirit, thank you for being real in us. In Jesus' name, amen. If there's anybody with a decision of any kind, would you make it as we stand and sing together this hymn of invitation? Alas, Savior.